welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Welcome to The After Show, where we reflect on last episode's conversation with artist and founder of Modern Macrame, Emily Katz, expanding on some favorite moments through a parenting lens. So Cal, what were some of your favorite moments? I like that we started with the whole KonMari thing, though I feel Mm. like you need to explain it to me and maybe to some of our listeners a little bit. Well, I think most people probably have maybe some awareness of it. Marie Kondo is the uh, founder of the KonMari method. And it's a method of tidying up or cleaning or purging, simplifying one's life. And she wrote the, what was it? The magic of yeah, tidying magic up. Yeah, magic of tidying up. I remember yeah. reading that when it came out, but yeah. it was a while um, ago. It was a while ago. And uh, I don't know. I feel like I go back and forth between being like, this is absolutely ridiculous. I'm six <laughs> feet tall and I cannot fold my jeans in the cutest little bundle. <laughs> Uh, maybe she can because she's petite um, and adorable, but like that does not work. Also, for me. just the like saying saying goodbye and thanking your things. One second that feels very <clears throat> solemn and magical, and the next second I'm like I'm talking to a pair of shoes. Sure, yeah. But considering how um, bittersweet it is to say goodbye to those things, there is a lot of meaning in connecting with your mm-hmm. things and creating some intention um, around whether they belong in our lives. And getting closure. As yeah. You, yeah, totally. I totally get having that. Having a real conversation and a narrative with the thing, which is basically having a conversation with yourself, um, which we I don't think we do often enough. I love that she's doing it now before she has kids, if mm-hmm. she decides to have them, because I think that when you and I became moms, that was when we were like, some shit needs to change. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like we had four-year-olds where the toys were piling up and we were having to do it then. No. It was really... No, I remember I remember sitting on my couch, nursing my daughter, and just looking around me being like, what the fuck <laughs> is Hannah, all of this? I remember you saying that. And <laughs> yeah. I came over to your house and like half the things were off the walls and you were like, everything has got to go. And I was like, what are yeah. you talking I about? Just, it was one of those where, you know, I think I was just so busy in my life and I worked outside the home most of the time. And I think that having a baby required that I slow down enough mm-hmm. and just sit down to nurse and you take do a lot the of time and around. the space to literally... I felt just smothered, I remember, and mm-hmm. just so cluttered with everything Emily in my home. Emily talked that, about it that know, way too. She yeah. called it like congestion. Right. It ends up feeling like congestion. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know if I'd read the book at that point. I think we just kind of started doing that uh, naturally. And then, you know, I think the way Emily tied in grief and life and death with things <laughs> and yeah. uh, keeping things versus giving things away. You and I talk about that a lot too. That's, it's, that is all connected to yeah. us. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's because we've when we lost our aunt, who's like our second mom, we had to basically go through her two homes and 
decide what was worth something and what we valued and what we needed and and what was valuable to her and if it was valuable to her was it then valuable to us if it was valuable to us would it then be valuable to our children on and on and on yeah i remember going into her closet and finding a bag and i was like it was just a plastic big like large plastic bag Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't know what's in this i'm gonna open it it up could she even reach that high i don't know probably not i pulled it down and it was full of shoulder pads. Fucking shoulder yeah. pads. <laughs> yeah. So it was stuff like that where she'd been in her house for 20, probably 20 years. Not even that long, really. Really? We were nine. No, but I mean, like, eight. that's not that long. No, that's... Yeah. Compared no, to, like, our grandparents' But it all depends or... on the person and how much yeah. room they have to accrue, how much time they have to, to buy stuff, well, to keep stuff. I think part of the thing was she was a very organized person, but... You can be one of the most organized people other than Marie Kondo Mm -hmm. and still have junk drawers Mm -hmm. and drawers that are just full of pencils and things or drawers that are just full of old beauty products that you probably never really use. Well, and that was the thing, though. It was like when we were going through her house, it was this juxtaposition of this crap we have to go through and how dare she leave this for us. And oh my God, this is so overwhelming and depressing. And then also finding like in the bottom of her junk drawer, like these old pictures of us Mm -hmm. and like this old gum that we remembered her chewing and this pen that we got at the radio station where our uncle did his radio show. And like all of those things where you're getting a punch in the gut and this gift well, at the same felt, time, I remember us being like, is this just like a really sad fucking rite of passage that everyone has to do yeah. when their elder passes away? Like, is this something we all have to do or do we have do we ha- leave that burden to our kids? Is there responsibility for us to tidy our shit up before? Yeah. But it's also the idea of KonMari or any idea of simplifying or cleaning up isn't just for who's next. It's for us right now. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know. I think that. What I remember reading in in uh, Marie Kondo's book, she talked about how she was like a master organizer at first. And so she studied organizing. She studied all the different things from storables and all those things where you can try to organize the things. And I remember struggling that way too, where I was like, well, it's just a matter of organization, a different way to organize all the things into categories mm-hmm. or better places. And if they don't fit, you get a bigger that, place. Right, a bigger <laughs> place or a better organizer. Yeah. And not realizing that it's like, it's not about what you can put them in. It's about those things themselves. And do you even really need them? It's more essential view. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, um, and I know that we've all gone through that. I imagine everybody listening, especially having kids, um, realizing that half the crap in your house isn't even for you anymore. And and more isn't better. And and you still have to put it away and organize it and toil over it and buy it. Um, And it really makes it quite a bit more obvious when you don't have a sentimental connection to your kid's toy Um, whether it should stick around or not. Yeah. Yeah. I love taking the Simplicity Parenting Life Coach training because they just went way deeper into the whole idea of of stuff and how to manage the stuff. And basically what stuff can do to not just us in the crazy making department, but with our kids, what they call soul fever. That's one element of how kids just kind of go crazy and have some major um, self-regulation problems and learning problems and um, connection problems because in one part due to having too much shit, you know, not being able to even engage in play with toys because Mm -hmm. they're just kind of sorting through it and exploring it. Um, You know, 
just feeling overwhelmed, just like we are when I like look in my medicine cabinet, I get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Not to like choose medicine. I guess that's like a bad example, but yeah, in our closets, for example. But I think you know. it, that that's helped us. We talk about these like ding-dings that we have at, in our kind of interactions with our kids where we're like, okay, something isn't working. We're getting a ding-ding that we need to like reapproach this somehow right. or powwow about it. And I feel like we've done that as well with spaces. Like if there's a mess that takes me more than like, a few minutes to clean up with or without my kids, Mm -hmm. that's too much stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that means that we have too many single socks. That means that we have too many toys like out in this one area and I need to stockpile some separately to be rotating through. What is the physical world? How does that meet up with our threshold, our mental threshold? To to be checking in and making sure that those are like in line. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of a little bit by bit approach as we're kind of moving through our days. But there is something to be said for this, like this full purging experience that mm-hmm. Konmari is, is saying it's not like a little here, a little there. Nothing will ever get done. It needs to be we can't a all, full process. We can't all pull out a sheepskin rug and sit knee to knee with our husbands like no, to create that, that kind of that's intention. That's pretty fucking inspiring. That was but amazing. Yeah. But but we can do it. Yeah. We can be we can be simplifying. We can be purging. Like, you know, that feeling that we get when we start doing that and we're like, oh my God, this feels so good. And you, you move from all the shoes in your house to all the cabinets that have food in them to, to like you've talked about in another interview, your purse, you clean out your purse and you're like, I got to clean out the car. Now I'm going to, you know, it's it's contagious. You get momentum. You start, you know, feeling it. um, And it starts translating to all sorts of things. But, But, and how she's talking about that translation going from a physical space, that bowl, kind of that shifting energy in her house, allowing and, and opening up um, the opportunity for maybe her body to start feeling mm-hmm. uh, more able and more open and more I, abundant. I, I know that when my my things are more simplified in my home, it's not even about clean or dirty, but I mean like organized, put away, pared down. I physically feel so much better. Yeah, I mentally, mentally feel mm-hmm. so much more calm and present yeah. and relaxed. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm just amazed that she's doing it so incredibly thoroughly. And mm-hmm. I feel like she just she's just so intentional and i feel like that was the thread that ran through our whole conversation with her was just she's she's really asking why and asking the hard mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. about everything she does i love that she called herself a master visualizer like yeah. that is very obvious <laughs> to me but that yeah. that shows living with intention is yeah. visualizing what do i want what do i not want what do i see right now compared to what yeah. i want to see later yeah that was pretty cool yeah i think that it was interesting that she could kind of visualize that for her and her partner, Adam, about, you know, making the, that understanding or those rules around their freedom and fl- flexibility, mm-hmm. she said, so that they can be who they are without losing themselves to that other person. But yeah. I thought it was interesting that she has a fear that she maybe can't do that as a parent or that mm-hmm. every parent goes through, like we mentioned earlier, a rite of passage where they are going to be lost and they are going to, well, you know... Yeah, I think just culturally, though, we, in relationships, in family dynamics, we have these kind of tropes or um, kind of typical beliefs. So if you're in a marriage or if you're in a relationship, then that means you see the person every single day. That means you sleep in the same bed. Mm -hmm. That means you, there are all these ideas that we have come up with culturally or familially or however, that, that 
it's a, a belief that we have, a kind of a, a personal this reality. This is how it should go. Yeah. And the, the cognitive dissonance we experience is saying, but I don't actually fit into that. Or it's not feeling it good. It doesn't really or, feel good. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you can't be with another person. That means that you can create a new reality with that person and mm-hmm. say, I'm going to be intentional about this. But that's what you we know? talk about with our I'm, parenting right. too, just creating something but, that feels more aligned. But I think aligned. that she's been able to figure this out in her partnership and it's been and it's come more easily in her business saying, I'm going to do my business this way. I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to do these things live. I'm going to, you know, whatever it was that she's kind of revolutionized and brought in this, this macrame that was really big a while ago and hasn't been, but she's, she's an innovator in that way in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it's one of those hard things with child rearing where you think, yeah, but once I have a kid, that means I need to stay home all the time. That means I need to see and be with my kid all the time or whatever I'll, I'll it is. Lose I don't, I don't, I'll yeah. lose myself. That's something she particularly said, but we all have those ideas. And the question that I love that she brings up is, do we need to do those things? What is realistic for a kid obviously if you're going to be nursing or if you're going to be whatever you got to be in a place with the kid for a certain amount of time but what what how can you rewrite these rules how can you create this experience intentionally um without feeling guilt or shame or just inhibited before you've Mm -hmm. even begun i Um, remember reading an article a while back i'll see if i can find it to put in the show notes where it was a, a mother who basically said i'm an introverted mom and and that like and she, she just had this huge realization over yeah. a lot of time and a lot of shame and guilt that she basically can't really spend more than a couple hours with her kids a day, and I think that that is actually way more common than than people will admit right. that and some people are okay. Eight, some people are an eight hour a day parent and wanna be, and some people are actually more of like their threshold is two mm-hmm. to three hours, or maybe and that changes based or, on the kid's age or whatever, but. Right. Yeah, or some people are two or three hour a day and they wish they were eight. Right. You know, it's all about like not just what we can create, but also what situation we are in in the moment too. We can't control and make everything. We're not, you know, we are all very, very lucky, obviously. Yeah, this is Um, coming from a point of privilege to even be able to choose how much time we work or the time we spend with our kids. But just this idea that she brought up of, uh, I thought you were going to bring up the, the thing you heard, Kel, about. Uh, dog sharing. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I was, uh, we have to go to the pool in like okay. two minutes. Okay, so. really quick. I know. I remember um, watching an Animal Planet like ten years ago or something. Back when I would just like sit and watch TV at mom and dad's. You know, <laughs> oh those days. Oh those days. Um, and it was about like this family basically having to give up a dog. They put an ad in the paper, and this elderly couple down the street said, "We'll take the dog during the weekdays," and the and then the family got to have the dog on the weekend. So. No one lost. the The elderly couple got to spend time with it and enjoy it, and weren't so lonely. And the dog it, was yeah. never sitting in a crate all day while everyone was mm-hmm. at school and work. And then the family got to benefit. Yeah, they got that home time and then that exercise. Yeah, but fun I time remember just and... being like, "Man, why don't people do that more often? Why isn't there a whole service that just pairs people for dog shares mm-hmm. in that way, so that no dogs are sitting at home but not getting a walk all day?" Everybody's thinking we're talking about humans here, right? <laughs> but before we had kids, we always compared like babies to dogs, and, and people we knew would be like. Like that is that is absolutely not comparable at all. And as a parent, I can say there's a lot that you can compare. <laughs> Dogs are kind of like kids sometimes in some, some ways. Yeah. Yeah. When it works for your point to serve your point. Okay. Cal. It does yeah. sometimes. Anyway, this it just made me think of when you and Emily were talking about the whole like idea of a kid share and just like her yeah. her sort of fantasy of 
maybe that that could work. Maybe I can make my it's like choosing her own adventure. Mm-hmm. She just is deciding what works what works for me, what would work for a kid, what would serve our needs, what helps me maintain well, and, and feel knowing, aligned to this dream that I want. Knowing who she is instead of saying I'm I live this way and but I'm going to fit myself into this idea of what a mom should be mm-hmm. and what a family should be and then have to backtrack that because I'm like holy shit this feels terrible. She's mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to engin- reverse engineer this and be like, based on the person I am and the mom I want to be, let's mm-hmm. create that situation somehow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really noble to just be even considering that and having that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, there should be no shame around that or weirdness or judgment. Yeah. I just, I feel like we should all be having more of these conversations about like, how many hour a day parent am I? Am I a person who wants to travel with children or not? Like none of these things is judgeable. And I think yeah. the more we talk about it and are getting in touch with our own ideal realities with our families, the better off we'll be, the happier we'll be, the happier our kids are, will be. And we'll be giving permission to other parents to be figuring out their own shit too. You know, we've got Sunday swim going. We got to go. <sighs> okay. Um, How do you want to wrap this baby up? I don't know. Um, Emily was just great. And we're just, we're huge fans of hers. And, um, we hope you enjoyed our conversation. Um, anything else, Cal? Yeah, visit modernmacrame.com yeah. to to learn more about Emily and her beautiful work and her travels and all the fun things uh, mm-hmm. that we're not invited to. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and what else? We just uh, we want we want to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. about this stuff. How how are you trying to add intention? to your life as a parent and, and a person. remove items. Yeah. How are you clearing out all that shit in your house that you don't yeah. need? Have you ever had to clear out someone else's shit um, and gotten that, that gift and that burden before? Have you gone what we've gone, gone through what we've gone through? Yeah. It would be nice to hear call that us. someone else has. Somebody call the, the hotline, please. <laughs> I swear to God, we're not going to answer. You can say whatever you want. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, I guess that's Do it. the affirmation. You guys... Kids, you're doing an amazing job. We're really proud of you. And we're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves and our kids and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time.